Welcome back to Bachelor on the Couch, the podcast where comedy becomes clinical. Today, we are talking about therapy with children, gaslighting, and making relationships work. So as always, that's Liv. That's Jenna. Take a seat on the couch. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving week. Any uh, Blackout Wednesday plans? Hashtag we're recording this on a Wednesday. So I have to work the day shift tomorrow. So I have to get up at 5 a.m. I will not be partaking, but living vicariously through everyone else. Yay. (laughs) Working 5 a.m. on Thanksgiving. I don't envy that. I do not envy that. (laughs) Nah. Okay. Okay. So no blackout Wednesday plans. But you're um, going to a concert. Yeah. A couple friends and I are going to a concert and then might go to a few bars. I don't plan on blacking out um, because I am spending Thanksgiving with uh, a family that is not my own and I would not like to embarrass myself there. So <laughs> we know you will though. <laughs> I will anyway, but not because I'm hungover. Yes. <laughs> Or still drunk, um, which I've been known to be. Okay. <laughs> so Tuesday's episode, um, she sent home, right? Started with eight and we're down to four. She literally cut the group in half. And hometowns are next week. I can't believe that. I just am, I can't, like, it's week six. And I guess every time I'm perpetually, like, shocked and appalled and confused at how quickly it goes. Like they've known each other six weeks and they're like already saying like less than because they're filming, but they've known each other about six weeks and they're already like, I'm falling in love with you. Uh, Brandon's already asking uh, parents for permission to propose. And it's just a lot. And we're seeing some real relationships forming. Yeah. It's almost making me believe in love again. After that god-awful news that Zach and <laughs> broke up. Yeah, for those who don't know, which I didn't until Liv texted me the other day, Zach and Tasha are, are quote, on a break slash Which means up. they're broken up. Which means they're <laughs> broken up. And I'm telling you, the success rate of this show is very, very low. Let's be real, realistic. It's not a successful show. However, I really saw them going the distance. Like, also, I love Zach and I think Tasha is a queen. So I just thought they worked so well, the way they interacted. Talk about like getting one another and body language and all that good stuff. And so if they can't make it work, we're all screwed. And they really mentioned and talked about their mental health together a lot, which I really appreciated. And that's what I think made the relationship stronger and I honestly was very heartbroken it's gonna take me a while to get over that well right I think like Tasha definitely but Zach especially of just being really open and honest about like yeah these are my flaws um these are the things I'm working on and it doesn't make me less of a person it just means I have so much more room to still grow so Jenna what was a part of the episode that stuck out to you this week I think, uh, I think it's really important to kind of look at uh, Clayton, who Mm. we've all known for some time that he is the next confirmed bachelor. 
Um, and I think everyone in Bachelor Nation who knew this, it was very much waiting to see like why, um, because I don't think we've gotten to see a lot of his personality and we got to see him interact with the kids a little bit. Um, he's got big muscles. It'd be good for bringing in the groceries, you know, giving a man a purpose. Um, but we got to kind of see a little bit more from him. And I think they did that on purpose, especially like after he was sent home, all that stuff they did where it's like, he's reading notes from the kids, which I'm sorry, that was salt in the wound. Right. The notes from the kids. Are you kidding me? That was weird. And that was just like unnecessarily upsetting. Yeah. And he was bawling his eyes out, like sobbing. Like, why are these kids writing letters to comfort this grown ass man? He couldn't even read the notes. He was like, I, in the, uh, uh. and like, I'm all for a man showing emotion. Like, look at you go. That was mean on the producer's part. That was straight up mean. Salt in the wound, pour some tequila in it. Like that was rough. It was so rough. <laughs> um, But I, th- I think they definitely did that on purpose. Cause they, w- I think if they had just like had him sent home and leave, everyone would have been like, really, that is our next bachelor. Like, why am I tuning in? But I think we got to see him open up and be like, I really, I want a family. I want these things. I'm ready for this. I, it took me so long to get to this point to be ready for this. And I'm ready for this. And I want this. And I thought it was going to be Michelle because she's all these great things, which yes, she is. Um, But I I think that's why the producers definitely put that in. It was for Bachelor Nation (laughs) to be like, why are we going to watch this white man who looks just like Colton? Um, I've already seen that season before, Mm -hmm. you know? It gives them a second chance at love, which is, you know, sometimes what we all need. <laughs> ah, second chance at love and uh, Twitter fame. Twitter fame, yes. <laughs> what about you? What was uh, maybe moment of the episode that struck out to you? So, you know me, I'm weird, funky, odd sense of humor, <laughs> like to make people laugh. So I always pick up on what Rodney is saying because I think his humor matches mine so well so like basically we should date I'm obsessed with Rodney yes and during the group date where they were at the farm and they were milking the cows (laughs) he said and I quote we can't lose the milk (laughs) so he was milking the cows trying to get it in the bucket and he was kind of missing And that's when he said that. And I died laughing because just his tone, I think it's his tone that is really funny. Not the fact that he was acting like a birthing partner to the cow and he was eye contact. We got this baby. We got this. Keep going. Like eye contact, eye contact. Breathing with her, breathing (laughs) with the cow. (laughs) I just thought that was hilarious. I love Rodney and I have a, I I just know she's going to break his heart. I, during the rose ceremony, I really thought this was going to be it for him. But when she said his name, I was speechless because I was like, oh my God, he has another, he has another week with her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I I guessed the four that she was going to pick. I felt like, so Nate already had the rose. Um, Joe's a no brainer. She's got a huge crush on him. And he like actually did really well this week, I think, in terms of just like being really present for her and being really open and great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Brandon already had the rose. And so I literally, I'm like, it's going to be between Rick and Rodney. And I want it to be Rodney so badly. I like was experiencing all the anxiety symptoms we've talked about. I was like shaking. I'm like uh, super tight. I was sweating. Um, I was watching with my boyfriend and he was like, are you good? I'm like, no, I Did need you use Rodney. your coping skills, Jenna. <laughs> uh, well, my coping skill was squeezing um, something, which ended up being another person's arm. Oh, probably God. not the most helpful <laughs> coping strategy for the person I was squeezing, but uh, it very much helped. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to this whole playfulness humor aspect, I was curious about the kids that came on this episode. And I know we both kind of picked up on how it can be different working with kids and it can be different providing them therapy. So I didn't know if you had any tips for our listeners, because <laughs> I know you kind of, do you work with kids and adults? I work with kids and adults. My bread and butter is like adolescence, like 13 mm-hmm. and up. Mm-hmm. Um, so like 13 middle school is about the where like I do most of my work um, and high schoolers, I really enjoy working with high schoolers and that like identity, like finding themselves um, and then like adults. But I do have a handful of like child clients mm-hmm. and I've worked with my supervisor a lot because I'm like, I am not the most confident in working with kids, mostly because I really like structure and with kids, you have to loosen that up a little bit. Like that's on me, not the right. kid. Right. <laughs> um, but I think in working with kids, there is, like highlighting the importance of building rapport. Mm -hmm. Um, Nine times out of 10, they're not choosing to come to therapy. Mom and dad is the one saying, hey, Timmy, we're going to go to therapy. And they don't either know why they're there. They don't want to be there. And it's really important to build this rapport and establish of building this like relationship where they feel not only comfortable, but they can have So not, excuse me, would they feel not only comfortable with the therapist that they're working with, but also can feel like they're having a positive experience in therapy. Um, I would hate for a kid to leave therapy and be like, that was stupid. I hate it. And then Mm -hmm. carry that into their adulthood. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really emphasizes like, it's going to be a slower process working with kids. And like, as a therapist, like being really patient and spending so much more time than you think right off the bat to make sure that kid feels heard and that like you have these interests that can relate and connect with. Um, Kids like to ask questions and they wanna know all about you, your personal life and like, why should I talk to you? And you have to tread that line of like, what you like, you have to tread that line of oversharing with a kid, but also being able to open up enough because kids can call your bullshit. And I think that's why Michelle had them in kids are really, really smart at picking up when you're being genuine. And so working with kids, you really have to not put up any walls, not put up any facades because they're going to see right through it and distrust the entire process of what you're doing. Right. And I think they're super honest. And like you were saying, that's why she brought them in to see if they could pick up on any of the guy's bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) And well, you have, ex- you have some experience working with um, kids with uh, mental health challenges, I think in a more kind of, um, severe is not the word I want, but in a more kind of crisis mode. What's your experience kind of working with kids who are really, really struggling? Mm-hmm. So at the hospital I work at, 
we have child life specialists. So they collaborate a lot with us and they help us in these crisis situations, especially with the younger kids. And a lot of times they bring in games, we do role-playing. So we're kind of meeting the kid where they're at and at their developmental age. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about emotions, we might make it into a game. What is my face look like when I'm sad? What does it look like when I'm angry? Let's make some emotion flashcards. So there's a real emphasis on how can we make the kid feel safe and comfortable in their own body in the environment? And that's, again, meeting them where they're at and developmentally where they're at. Yeah. I think you hit such a really valuable point, like meeting them where they are. You're not going to get any progress done, whatever that word means in that moment. Progress. You're not going to get any work done if that kid is not there. Mm-hmm. And your role as like a therapist, your role as this trusted adult is to help them feel heard, help them feel validated to then work on the things that need to be worked on. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we see pushback and resistance in, you know, wanting to meet with a professional. And I think the way that we work through that is, again, like with any client, understanding where they're coming from what makes them feel comfortable enough to open up to this person and actually talk about some deep things. Cause that can be really hard for a kid. And at the hospital, that's, that's what we do first. We create that safety. We create that stabilization. So then they're able to trust us. Yeah. And I think that takes more time with kids often than with adults um, because adults are more often, if they're there, a more willing participant versus the kids very skeptic. And I want a kid to be skeptic. Like if you've got a seven-year-old and they're like ready to dive into trauma with a stranger, that's a different thing to kind of look through and work through. Right. So I think it's really important to understand the boundaries when working with a kid and respecting them. Looking at kind of boundaries or specifically looking at respect, um, transitioning a little bit, uh, lack thereof respect when we look at Martin and how that played out this week. Yeah, that was, that was a lot. And you texted me during the episode and you said we have to bring up the word gaslighting because I feel like it's thrown around so much. And this interaction was a perfect example of it oh specifically I wrote down the exact for those at home who are unfamiliar with gaslighting I have a definition for us from uh like the Britannica like dictionary whatever so I've got a definition for us and then I have a beautiful a textbook example that Martin actually provided for us this week so according to Britannica The definition of gaslighting is an elaborate and insidious technique of deception and psychological manipulation with an effect to gradually undermine the victim's confidence in his or her own ability to distinguish truth from falsehood, right from wrong, or reality from appearance, thereby rendering him pathologically dependent on the gaslighter in his thinkings and feelings. Um, And the beautiful 
crafted example that Martin so generously provided us this week was his quote unquote apology of, I apologize for maybe speaking over you. All he had to do was remove the word maybe and it would be almost a valid apology. Right, right. For maybe speaking over you. So you are going to emphasize the fact that whether or not you did unclear. No, you did. You did speak over her. You were actually an asshole. She called you out on it. And instead of acknowledging that, oh, I did something that wasn't cool, I apologize for maybe speaking over you. Mm -hmm. I want to emphasize that gaslighting is a form of psychological abuse. Abuse. That is an abusive thing. It's emotional manipulation to make someone really feel like they're going crazy. Like you're making me think that this, like, did this happen? Didn't it happen? Um, Really allowing like this confusion of like, well, I thought it was this thing and it was really upsetting to me and being told you shouldn't be upset because like maybe that happened or maybe it didn't. So Mm -hmm. you are blowing this out of proportion. No, you're just an asshole, Martin. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to talk about some things that you or our listeners can try to combat gaslighters. And I think it starts with really like knowing how to recognize when this gaslighting is happening. So these are phrases or statements that usually start with like, you're making things up, you're being dramatic. And like you said, Jenna, like you're blowing things out of proportion. This maybe happened. Right. And then kind of going into, you know, it's, it's okay to stand firm to your truth and understanding that whatever you're feeling is what you're feeling and that's okay. So saying things like, I, I know what I saw. Don't tell me how I'm feeling. I know my own emotions. And I think, honestly, I'm a fan of journaling too, but like writing down these interactions and then kind of understanding how you can respond to that person in the most effective way. Yeah. Um, I think something that we have praised Michelle multiple, multiple times throughout the season is this idea of trusting her gut, which is really hard to do. And it's really hard to do. And when you're presented in the situation where someone is trying to be manipulative or trying to disregard your perception or your reality, um, really trusting like, no, this is what has happened. And, or this is how I feel like you do not get to dictate or tell me how I feel because your feelings, your emotions are a fact for you, right? Whether or not something happened or didn't happen, it's, you still felt this way. That is not something that that person can take away from you. Mm -hmm. And really sticking with like, this person is saying these things aren't real and no, as you said, I know what I saw. I know what happened. And this is how I feel. You don't get to take that away. You don't get to disregard my feelings based on your manipulation of reality. Right, right. Um, yeah, I got heated. <laughs> Me too. And I feel like they, a lot of gaslighters are just, you know, they're able to 
manipulate people so well and then a lot of other people get stuck in that cycle of how do I get out of this very and like you said like abusive conversation it's a method of stripping people away of their confidence and trust in themselves and it makes it makes that person reliant on the abuser Mm. just like other other types of abuse when you see um, relationships of maybe like physical abuse and how difficult it is for the individ- individual who's being abused to leave because in some way they feel reliant on this other individual that they have to stay because maybe they feel like they deserve this that they have to have this um, they have to have this person in their life because this person has made them believe that they don't deserve any better um, because it does, it chips away confidence. It chips away your own your own trust and your own like resiliency. Clearly, gaslighting is not something that a positive relationship is going to hopefully hold. Um, that's not a key element of what makes a relationship work. So let's leave that and let's talk about maybe relationships that are working. Um, so it surprised me. However, it does make sense to me. Michelle's relationship with Brandon, that's a working relationship right now. I, I mean, it's love Brandon. I love him. <laughs> I can't get over the fact that he looks really young and yeah. I look really young. So maybe I'm just a hypocrite. I don't know. And the fact that he wore her dad's bathing suit trunks, I was like, uh, What's going on here? I, I don't really like that. <laughs> Talk about kinesthetic empathy when I was cringing so hard. And then her dad didn't know what to do. He just stood there. Hey. So what are some things that make a relationship positive and work? I have been like gave this a lot of thought when it came to Brandon because I personally don't see it. Um, I think with her other relationships, whether it be Rodney, whether it be Nate, whether it be Joe, like I see a lot more like visually in their body language and the ways they interact. I see it. And maybe this is just my like my own bias. I like was looking for, I don't understand it with Brandon, but then it made me think about um, kind of like the three core conditions of working relationships in a therapeutic setting and what makes it work. Mm-hmm. And I see those things with the relationship in Brandon. So the, it's Carl Rogers is like three core conditions of like, this is what makes a therapeutic relationship work. And I think it makes any relationship work. Um, Step one being empathy, which we've talked about. Step two being congruence, which is basically um, like harmony and compatibility of just like the way that they think, their own views, their own kind of thoughts and how they interact. And then the third being unconditional positive regard, which I feel like would be hard to do with, um, hard to not do with Michelle. She's phenomenal, but just no matter what, even when challenges kind of come up, really trusting and showing this positive regard for them. I feel like, and I know you have a different opinion about Brandon than me. Yeah. I definitely wrote down some things that he said that kind of fit um the categories of Carl Rogers core 
ideals. Yeah. Um, so you know how Michelle took him to her childhood house and I thought his reaction, he was just so excited. And he was saying to her, you took me here. Like, I feel so special that you did this. Like, thank you so much. And then when he was talking to Michelle's parents, he was asking them, like, do you have any advice? He was being respectful. He was asking basically if he could marry Michelle. And I thought that was, I thought that was super respectful of him. I agree. It was respectful of him. I have a hard time getting over the fact that at that point, there was still six other guys there and he's known her six weeks. Right. That to me feels more like little kid infatuation. But is he, I, I do think he's a great guy. Like by no means am I like he's trash. I think every guy that's currently there is a great, fantastic guy. But no, but I agree with you. I think he was super respectful and talking with, talking with their parents and like, right. He was uncomfortable when the parents walked in and like, he was wearing the dad's swim shorts and making out with Michelle. He's like, oh my gosh, like I want, I don't want, like, this is uncomfortable that their first time meeting me is like, so like, ah, and he's like, I want to make sure that their impression of me is good because this is someone who I really value. Mm -hmm. So I do think there's a lot of respect and this idea of, um, wanting to put his best foot forward and not just say, but show that like he wants to be this nurturing partner. Hmm. And I see a lot of excitement from him, not only in his body language, but the things that he verbalizes. And I think that's what makes me like him so much that he's, he seems invested because he's so excited about the things that they're doing together you know, the, the experiences they're actually having together. Yeah. Was it Brandon or who was the person that you said, like this theme of like nurture, this theme of like nurturing came up for you? That was Joe. <laughs> oh, it was Joe. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. That was um, going back to the group date uh, with the cows. Oh. Michelle said something like cows can sense when someone is being, you know, empathetic and nurturing and the cows were going up to Joe. <laughs> and then Michelle, when Joe and her were talking one-on-one was like, oh, Joe, like you are really great with the cows. Like they seem to really like you. And I think one of the things that Michelle really likes is that, you know, dad figure and that comfort figure and feeling safe within the relationship because the guy is being nurturing and respectful. Yeah. What is this idea of nurturing? Like, what, what do you think nurture like means? Like for you, at least. I always go back to the word comfort. Okay. So whether that's physically like you're getting hugs, you're, you know, someone's rubbing your back or emotionally so you're really feeling heard and you're feeling seen yeah what about you no I I agree with you I also think when I think of like nurturing I think of elements of comfort being in the sense of like almost like Mm home-like like finding comfort in something familiar and obviously home can mean a different thing to a different person, whether that's a place or whether that's a like the company you're in. 
but having this idea of familiarity and trust. That's kind of what nurturing kind of looks like in my head. But I was just curious. I think that's super interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think it can look similar, but different amongst different individuals and how it presents in relationships. Mm -hmm. Speaking of comfort and nurturing, since it's Thanksgiving week, I don't know what your plans are, Jenna, um, <laughs> but I am going home to my <laughs> comforting, nurturing home. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can kind of end with some gratitude and talking about a skill that is about gratitude. I think the skill specifically we wanted to look at today in terms of keeping this perspective of there's not all bad, um, but having this idea of a gratitude journal or gratitude reflection. Um, if you want to write it down, that's always really great to kind of have and hold and look back on. But even just pausing for a few moments in maybe the nature of Thanksgiving, but pausing for a few moments at the end of the day, reflecting on the day and not just acknowledging any challenges that came up, but acknowledging like three things that either like, I'm really proud of this or I'm grateful for this. Um, I think a lot of times, a lot of people too, and I know I do this too, um, with gratitude is thinking about you know, it doesn't have to be this huge thing that happened during the day. It can be the smallest thing, item, person that you're grateful for. Like, you know, today I enjoy how the sun is out and it's cold, but it's, you know, the sun is warm on my body, something like that. So it doesn't have to be this large, like, oh my God, like I got an A. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Right. It can be this big thing, but it also can be something really small. Um, so maybe this week practicing, identifying three things that you have gratitude for. So Liv, what are three things you're grateful for as you go into this Thanksgiving day season? Oh, putting me on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> What's a podcast if I'm not making you uncomfortable? And it's good to be in the uncomfortable. <laughs> Let's see. So a big one is obviously my friends and family. The second one is dance, which I know we've talked about so many times, but again, something that really has saved me in life. And the third one is honestly just good food, specifically mashed potatoes with cheese. <laughs> I love a potato. What about you? <laughs> I love that. Um, well, I'll, I'll copy you a little bit. So one is going to be friends and family, um, the people who are close to me. Definitely very grateful. Second thing I'm grateful for today, specifically, I'm grateful that it's not super cold today in Chicago. Um, it's like the weather knew I was going to be running around tonight and didn't want me to be freezing. Um, not that hoes get cold or anything. <laughs> We don't. Um, <laughs> Hose don't get cold. So I'm thankful for the warmer weather. And I'm also really grateful for, I don't know, maybe this is weird. I'm just having a really nice time with my toothpaste flavor right now. It's just like your classic, like Colgate sponsor us, um, like spearmint, but 
it's really doing something for me. It's a nice way to start my morning and end the day. So maybe that's weird. I'm dying laughing. <laughs> what? My toothpaste. <laughs> so uh, what's your favorite flavor of toothpaste? I like a good, just like super, super like minty. I don't want no like fruity. That you doesn't make cinnamon. <laughs> That's gonna be not a pleasant sound for uh, listeners. Um, I do not like cinnamon. <laughs> I want to feel clean, not just like I ate a apple pie. Well, you're weird, but I love your weirdness. <laughs> That's my favorite part of you. <laughs> and I wait. This is a fourth, and I'm grateful for my beautiful co-host who allows me to harass her every week. So are you just going to make me cry on Wednesdays every single week? I thought we established that. Yeah. So back at you, I'm grateful (laughs) for you (laughs) as well. I know we're in separate states, but it feels honestly like home when we do talk. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Uh, I think that's all we have for today. Thanks so much for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. If you celebrate, eat some good food. Um, As always, you can follow Bouch Around the Couch on Instagram and Facebook and Bouch on the Couch on Twitter and TikTok. And most importantly, thank you guys so much for listening. That's that. Bye.